Before I leave you to enjoy the episode, I'm going to ask you for a very small favor. Please tell your friends about the show and help me help as many men as possible with their mental health. Now, I know they might not be able to speak up or ask for help, but maybe, just maybe, by listening to these remarkable stories, something will resonate with them. I truly appreciate your support on this, and thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Don't Be a Man About It. This show is dedicated to every man out there. So we tell you that you're not alone. Uh, You hear a lot of stories from remarkable men, just like my guest today, Dr. Skip Mondragon. He's an internal medicine specialist and a physician. Um, I'm so happy that you're here with me on the show, doctor. How are you? I am doing Fantastic, Ray. Thank you. So, Dr. Skip, uh, for those who don't know you, who are you? Who am I? I am a spokesperson. I speak for men. I speak for those men who feel they don't have a voice. Those men who are suffering in silence those men who feel marginalized, those men who have been bullied, those men who suffer in silence with mental illness. I am a reformed tough guy (laughs) who himself became a casualty of depression. So now I speak out for my fellow sufferers. And for that, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, doctor. So tell me, how is your heart doing today? My heart is grateful. I am overflowing with gratitude for my own health that I have been taken out of that deep, dark pit of depression of depression. And now I walk in newfound health. I'm grateful for the blessings of God that I have a beautiful and wonderful wife that we will set, that we will celebrate 40 years of marriage in May. Mm-hmm. And we have five adult children, four grandchildren. Thank you, Lord. Wow. <laughs> Bless them. <laughs> Well, I'll ask you about the Lord. to a long, healthy, happy marriage later on. <laughs> well, thank you. For someone who was bullied in when he was a kid and he went through depression, I mean, you suffered a lot when it comes to your mental health. Yet you grew, you grew to be a physician, a doctor, someone who is a mental health advocate. You just said you are the voice of the voiceless when it comes to men. So. Could you tell us more about it? How old were you when you were bullied? I was basically bullied from the time I can remember as a child. I was the smallest kid in my class growing up. I also was 
socially awkward and athletically inept, shall we say. I didn't know how to catch a ball, throw a ball. And then we moved frequently. And so I was oftentimes the new kid on the block. So you don't have friends when you arrive. And as a result, I was an easy target for bullies. And this went on up until the time I was 13. And then when I was 13, I discovered the sport of wrestling. And it was the first time with any type of athletic endeavor that I had this sense, I can be good at this. I think I can really be good at this. As an eighth grader, I made the varsity team on our junior high squad. I didn't win any matches that year, but I was the only eighth grader to make the varsity team. The next year, I was actually the best wrestler in the wrestling room as a ninth grader, but I still didn't win a match. I would get so worked up the night before a match, I'd toss and turn, toss and turn, wouldn't get a wink of sleep. However, the summer afterwards, entered a state tournament freestyle, one of the uh, Olympic styles. Won my first match. Won my second match. Won my third match, won my fourth match. Now I'm going for the championship. And I win the championship. <laughs> my coach asked me afterwards, you know who that kid was that you beat? No. I said, well, he won this tournament last year. And that just fueled my desire to be that much better. So Skip- um... Later I did some wrestling was the wrestling at the beginning just for as an exit activity for you to feel more confident more powerful i'm i think it would i would want to know more about the bullying part and what did how did wrestling help you get out of it or maybe face it were you able to you know uh stand up for yourself especially at a young age. I think wrestling was the attempt to feel competent at some sport because I had failed miserably at any other sport. So at the time, wasn't necessarily, oh, this is going to mean the bullies are going to leave me alone. There wasn't that consciousness about that. But this idea, I want to be good at something. <laughs> I want to feel competent at some kind of sport. In my day and age, where there I'm 65 years old, athletics was one of the main currencies in terms of social standing among boys. Mm-hmm. If you weren't athletic, athletically powerful, if you will, you didn't have athletic prowess, you didn't have a lot of social standing. You could be real smart, which I became one of the smart kids, if you will, and you could be athletic. But apart from that, you didn't have much social standing. And the bullies left me alone. Years later, I'd laugh with my brothers. Where were the bullies then? Exactly. Um, and who supported your decision? Was there any 
anyone knew that you were being bullied in school? Well, back then you, you didn't tell anybody. You didn't go, go tell my mom or my grandmother. You didn't go tell a teacher or anybody. It wasn't one of those things that was publicized. If you are being bullied, in fact, that wasn't even the word in those days. It was being called picked on. Yeah. There wasn't this word, there wasn't that concept. You endure it. And Skip, so before your 20s, you were already a champion in wrestling. That's correct. So tell me the combination of being a champion in wrestling and also a kid who was bullied. How did that shape your character moving forward? How did that affect your relationships, your work, your self-esteem? Wrestling builds that self-esteem in you. Wrestling helps define you because you know you can endure this grueling sport, a sport that very few individuals are willing to invest themselves into. Yeah, because it because I saw physical power. Athlete. Well, the type of workouts we'd go through, I'd see some amazing athletes come and try wrestling because they say, oh, what does that take to get out there for six minutes on the wrestling mat? That doesn't take anything. They get out there and try for three, four minutes crawling off the mat. Yeah. And they realize how grueling it is to wrestle. So physically and mentally and emotionally, it's a demanding sport. So it builds this identity into you that, and this brotherhood that we are tough guys, mm -hmm. that we are this elite group of rest of athletes when we are wrestlers that few can lay claim to. So it built this identity into me that I'm a tough guy. And I carried this identity into my adulthood. Mm. And it was one of these things that carried forward with me with, with this, not just that persona, but with this modus operandi, this way of life. I push through difficulties. I work through difficulties. I don't give up. And that's a double-edged sword. Because when then you are struggling and you should reach out for help and ask for help, no, I just push through. I just keep working harder. And that was one of the things that caught up with me much later in my life in terms of the depression. So tell me more about the opposite side. You said you've built an identity of being a tough person, pushing through the struggles. But what about when you're not wrestling, when you go back home? Does, did it affect your mental health where you got anxieties? You thought that maybe you were not good enough, you're still not good enough. What used to happen inside here before you actually found your own balance? I think the, with that, there was this compensation. Mm 
I am going to work harder than all of you to show you that I can't outwork you. So I carried this into these different activities. I'm that overcompensation that I'm not going to be this skinny, awkward, bullied child. And after the, after you joined the wrestling, we did have that. Did it? How your friends in school treat you? Were you treated differently? Was the awkwardness become awesomeness? What happened? Oh yes, <laughs> you are treated differently. Absolutely. <laughs> so you become yeah. identified with the work, and now people look up to you. Mm -hmm. And when you go into that wrestling room, and now you're one of the best wrestlers in the wrestling room. Now these younger wrestlers in there, the underclassmen, they're looking up to you and they're telling me, Skip, I wish I was as good as you. Yeah. You mentioned that you've, you have five kids or five, uh, five grandchildren and four kids, right? Five children and four grandchildren. There you go. <laughs> what types, do you have conversations with them on mental health? We talked some about it. They, they knew that I developed depression and it was after the fact that our children were out of the house, all out of the house when I became adult. Our youngest had already gone to college. And so it was after the fact that we're talking to him that I was ill. And so now I openly share some things. They've had the opportunity to read my book, Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps, that I very openly talk about my story and the lessons I learned and offer tips tactics and techniques for men who are struggling with depression to help them in their own recovery. But what I meant was maybe mental health education. I get a sense that when someone goes through something, you would always want people around you to be the exact opposite of what you felt when you were bullied, when you were depressed, when you were ill. So you, you tend to keep talking about the subject in terms of awareness. Um, uh, what would you advise them? How, how do you, not, I don't wanna say protect your kids, but how do you lead by example? That's what I mean. That's a wonderful question. Well, one, I've always very openly talked about the bullying and try to teach my children that you have to stand up to bullies. Mm -hmm. And the title I chose for the book, Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps. But I talked to them that in that same fashion, wrestling bullies is not for wimps. Standing up to bullies is not for wimps that you have to take that stand against bullies because they will seek out the vulnerable. They will seek out somebody that 
they feel that they can push around. Mm. But once you stand up to them and they realize they can't do that to you, they are going to leave you alone. And that when you see somebody else bullied, you don't let that go on. But if you stand up for that other person, you're going to empower others to stand up for them also and say, no more. We are not going to tolerate this. That is not right. And likewise with mental health, that people struggle. And one of the things I would say is you don't know the story behind the story. The anxiety, the depression, and other things that happen with people. That all of these issues are going on. And we don't know that story. And that the need to have compassion. The importance of treating people with kindness. With respect. And my children understand it. My children are very kind, respectful, and compassionate people. This kind of parenting um, results in healthier generations to come. If your kids grew up to be kind and compassionate and smart and, and having the life skills, the emotional intelligence skills, then their children are going to grow up to be the same. They're their grandchildren as well. So by doing this, we are technically changing the world. Even, even if we don't live to see that world the way we want it to be, but at least we have invested in it and we have created it one way or another. So um, thank you for doing that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Skip, you mentioned something that caught my attention, which is that the bullies focus on the vulnerable. Now this, by by hearing this, you can say two things, either stop raising vulnerable kids or let's teach our vulnerable kids to embrace their vulnerability, but also to defend it. Does that include maybe school programs? Um, It comes from the home, from the parents. How can we teach our kids to not drop their vulnerability, but yet be strong enough to defend themselves when they get bullied? Well, I think there's two sides to this. When, When I say vulnerable, I'm talking about their demeanor. I'm talking about what makes them an easy prey for that bully. And there's a few things that happens. For instance, that child that walks into that classroom or onto that playground who looks scared their shoulders are dropped, their heads down. They look like they're just going to be spooked by anything. The bullies have this radar. They're like sharks that can smell blood in the water. So we need to teach our kids to have self-esteem, to know that they, by virtue of being them, 
are worth something, that they don't need anything else. They are precious. They are worthy by virtue of being themselves. That they are beloved because they are them. They are enough. I agree. That they don't need to compare themselves with others. You are you. You are unique. You are enough. You are beloved of God. You are beloved of us. You are beloved of others. You are precious. And if we can teach children this, rather than making all those comparisons, to have that, hold your head up high, put your shoulders back, stick your chest down, feel good about yourself, talk with confidence, look people in the eye. And when people cross boundaries that are inappropriate, you say, no, enough. I'm not putting up with that. But that other side that you talk about, being vulnerable, being willing to show emotion and teaching them, particularly boys, rather than lashing out in anger because their society has not allowed boys the way we've enculturated boys, the way I was. That we didn't teach them how to get in touch. I wasn't taught how to get in touch with my emotions. Yeah. And oftentimes because I was, it could be difficult to teach others. So that was a learning process. What am I feeling? What is that emotion I'm feeling? So boys, appropriately in our society, you can feel joy, elation, anger, love. Where are all these other gamut of emotions? Tears are good. Tears are healing. And tears are normal. To be able to express the gamut of emotions so that our children, boys and girls, can identify those feelings and openly and appropriately express those. Oh yes, so we don't lose that vulnerability, but that we don't become vulnerable victims, if you will. And I don't want our children to grow up, any of them to feel that they're a victim. Yeah. Rather they are victors. I love that. Yes, I, I agree. Um, do you think wrestling should be one of those exercises that we need to practice more with our kids or let's start practicing at a young age that helps in self-esteem? Do you think wrestling is really a good, because when you see someone, for example, when I work with my clients and they want an activity for them to release stress, we tend to go for, you know, Activities like go for a run, meditate, breathe, uh, go for a dance class, go for a gym. We never say wrestling. Do you think that would be more <laughs> helpful? Certainly all those activities you mentioned are wonderful, Ray. Wrestling may be appropriate for some, but not necessarily for all. <laughs> However, but there's wrestling. wrestling is great. So there's wrestling, there's kickboxing, there's boxing. So these 
activity. Yeah, exactly. Martial arts of different types. You're right. And for women, for instance, I would recommend any woman fight, fight a class with self-defense and learn some self-defense. Hands down. I would recommend that because it would give you more self-confidence and help protect you, perhaps your life someday. And one of the beauties of wrestling is it's weight-based. So you, if you're small, like I am, being that smallest kid in your class all those years, I was finally competing on a level plane. I wasn't having to compete against these boys that were much larger and stronger than I was. I was finally competing against boys that were my size. <laughs> so it's this equalizer. Yeah. And that's one of the things about wrestling. The other is that it takes heart. It takes heart if you want to be a good wrestler. Um, did you try? I'm sorry? Wrestling helped you battle your depression, but did you try therapy? Oh, yes, absolutely. April 17, 2014. And that day, I called the chief of behavioral health and I explained the situation. He made an appointment with a clinical psychologist. I saw her that afternoon. She did a thorough evaluation, corroborated diagnosis of major depression. And at the end of the session, she mentioned that she and the chief of behavioral health had talked ahead of time and they had selected another therapist they felt that I could work very effectively with by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Mike Perry. And the next week, I started meeting with Mike and we hit it off from the beginning. We had had this bond. What did he help? I'm sorry? What did he help you with? What was the thing that made you bond with him? Mike is a family man, as I am. Mike is a Christian, as I am. But Mike Lloyd, as I was. And we worked on my thinking because my confidence was shot. My decision-making was shot. I was feeling guilt and shame. I had this sense, and I remember telling Mike it through tears. I didn't want my career to end on a whimper. I wanted my career to go out on a high note. That's how much my confidence was shot. And I had these horrible negative thoughts that had been running through my mind. So we were working on my thinking, cognitive behavioral therapy. So week by week, we'd work on that. Mike would give me homework to work on. We'd work on that week. We'd come back and see how I was doing. That's 70 to 80% of the problem anyway, because it all starts and ends here in the mind. Um, and it's so, the reason why I asked about the bond, because when a, a therapist can be so good, you could really be able to work with them, but I won't 
but I wouldn't. So, and you just highlighted one of two main things when choosing a, a therapist is having a bond or a connection or this chemistry between you two and making sure that you are sharing the same values. Like in your case, he's a family man. He comes from the church. So that would make it easier for a therapist and a client to work together and create the results that you were able to create. Absolutely. That therapeutic bond, as you mentioned, is so important. And I think it's so important, not just when you have a therapist, but in any provider patient reading. Yeah. So Skip, to summarize it, basically when someone is getting bullied, find an activity that could help you build your self-esteem, strengthen your physicality, lets you release your stress um, and emotions. Two, ask for help, get support. Three, uh, don't give up, always show up and don't let anyone get into your head. What else would you add on the list? Yeah. Music, mm -hmm. art, yeah. theater, computer skills. Oh my gosh, goodness, math, science, computing, robotics, artificial intelligence. These are going to be the things of the future where you go out and do things to help those in the community. That's one of the best ways when you are serving others. So yes, all those things that you say are important. And know that you can always reach out to trusted individuals and not to hesitate to do that. The other thing I would say is, please don't compare yourself to others. People put on things on social media that they make their lives seem like they're idyllic, that they live this beautiful grand life, that I don't have these problems. Look what I have. Then I look at these things and I say, oh my goodness, give me a break. Everybody has problems. Nobody's life. Is that good? Skip, thank you so much. Any, any message you'd like to send out to all the men listening? The men listening. If you are struggling today and suffering in silence, please do not suffer in silence one more day. You are not a wimp. You are not weak when you go get help. 